morning again. Great to see you all. I'm glad that you're here. We're in a series here leading up to Easter called The Community Bible Experience, which is a, a little book that takes the, all the books of the New Testament, puts them into something that look, reads more like a, a modern book, and we're reading through that through the 40 days of Lent. And uh, so that's where we're at on each of our Sunday mornings. Uh, how many of you are reading through the New Testament for, for Lent? Okay, bunch of you. Bunch of you. Okay, hands down. How many of you are in a book club for, for this most over here. Okay, not sure what that says. Interesting. Keeners. Anyhow, it's good. Uh, last Sunday night, we had a little vote thing here at the church, and you gave me a good vote, and I accepted, and you're stuck with me. So, that's that. <laughs> and uh, I'll say it again, that uh, I will serve you, and labor with you, and pastor you, and love you, and uh, lead us towards the vision that God has given to us. And I'll say it again. I don't have any problem saying this. I, I know I'm far from perfect. You can ask my wife. You can ask anybody who works with me. I'm not a, I'm not a perfect man. And uh, I'm just the guy that, that, that God called uh, here to this church. And, uh, and I'll say it again this morning. I'm totally aware of my dependence on God to help me lead this place. And I'm reminded of that daily, and, uh, and I, just, I just need God's help. And I also need your help, frankly. Uh, we're in this together, and I need your help. I need your, your prayers. I need your encouragement. Um, I need you to back this place financially. I need your input. Um, in fact, my email is up there on the screen, uh, and I am wide open to your feedback about anything around here. I'm not trying to, to hide a guy who tweets for two years that he's working at Starbucks isn't trying to hide, right? And so uh, not trying to hide at all. would love to chat with you about anything, uh, anything you know, to do with Moncton Wesleyan. And so I was just kind of reflecting on, on some of those things on the vote last Sunday night. And uh, we're just kind of wrapping up my first uh, two years back in this role. I did serve here. For those of you who don't know me, I did serve here from 2000 to 2005. So this is my second tour of duty. And so that's, I'm finishing my seventh year. The first five do count. And so this is, this is, this is year seven for sure. And I'm reflecting on all of that, reflecting on the transition and the vote. And I'm doing my Bible reading this week. And the word that, that, that I kept seeing that Paul was using in, in, in what we were reading last week was the word unity. The word unity just kind of kept, kept jumping out at me. And I thought, yep, that's exactly, it's perfect timing for us. That's where we need to go. That's where we're, we're going to go. And uh, Paul just kept emphasizing the importance of unity if we're ever going to accomplish the mission of the gospel that God has given to us. Now, too often when people think about church, they don't, they don't think as, Oh, that, a church, it must be a place of unity. People think of churches as places of disunity, of anti-unity, 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 anti-unity. Anti- Let's say it like it's one word. We're from the Maritimes. Anti-unity. <laughs> they, I'm from Grandma Ann. Can you tell? They, they think of churches as places of, of anti-unity and uh, places where strong personalities battle over things that don't matter. Places where, where strong personalities that have their, their pet agendas get voted onto into boards and committees and things like that, where they, can, where they can push their pet project or where they can push their personal preference and things like that. And thankfully, we don't have, we honestly don't have those issues here. I'm not, I'm not just saying that to be funny. I know it's hard to tell when I'm trying to be funny and when I'm not trying to be funny. 
Um, we honestly don't have those, that kind of nonsense around here, and that's something to be thankful for. Um, so I think for us this morning, for Moncton Wesleyan, that, that unity for us is to be reminded of why we do what we do, why we give what we give, why we serve the way that we serve, why we invite so much, and why we put so much focus on reaching that next person for Jesus. Unity is a reminder that we all have preferences. Like, we, we all would do it differently. Everyone who came into Moncton Weston this morning, you would, you would see things differently. And if you were in charge, you would do things differently. So unity is a reminder that we all have preferences, but someone else's salvation is more important than me getting what I want. Right? So that's, that's unity. If you want what you want, go to Harvey's and order a burger, and they'll make exactly what you want. But you can't, you know, you can't come into a setting like this and say, I want what I want. That just doesn't work. So let's talk about unity and what, look, what that looks like for us going forward. And it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And Paul is writing to believers to remind and encourage them that we're all a part of the same body, we're all on the same team, and our mission together is to build up the church. So it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. I think we're going to put it up on the screen. There it is. Okay, here we go. Verse 11. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to Moncton Wesley. Okay, he says the church, and he's talking about the church universal, but just to keep us focused on, on, on our mission, okay? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people at Moncton Wesley to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such, say it, unity. unity. There it is. In our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Paul puts unity on the top shelf. He kind of says, you know, if you do this and you work together on that and you get all of these things right, that, that the end result of doing those things right will be unity. When you get all these things right and going in the right direction, the end result will be a level of unity that is glorifying to God and unstoppable in the community. Now, you don't get unity by saying we need unity. You don't get unity by just standing on a stage and telling everybody uh, um, we need unity. Unity is the result of self-sacrifice and shared vision. You're supposed to be writing that down. Don't look at me. Get, get out your phone, your, your, your iPad, piece of paper or something. You're supposed to say, oh, that was good. That, like this, bobblehead church. You're like, oh, 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 that was, I, I can't forget that. That, that, that. that was good. That was really good. I'm glad I came. Okay, don't look at me. Write it down somewhere. Unity is the result of self-sacrifice and shared vision. You get unity 
by rallying around a shared goal that everyone agrees to. And the shared goal at Moncton Wesleyan is the next person coming to Jesus Christ. That's our shared goal. That's who we are. That's why we do what we do. That's, that's, that's our mission. That's what, that's what we're here for. So whenever you hear me talk about, you know, in, in big sweeping terms, like, like filling this place and putting seats on seats and all that, that sort of stuff or breaking barriers, you have to know, okay, you got to hear me scream this. You have to know it is not about some ridiculous number that I can put on a report somewhere and say, look how big Moncton Wesleyan is, okay? You can't, that's not what it's about. It's not about some big, massive number. It's actually about a really, really small number. It's about one. It's about that next person, one person who's going to come to Jesus Christ. That might happen in this service. Someone gave their life to Jesus Christ in the first service, and that might happen. And, that, and that, that's you this morning. That's why we do what we do is for that one person. Every number has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. We had a, a prayer meeting in here Wednesday night. It was, was a wonderful time. And um, each Wednesday, we're having a prayer meeting Wednesday night at 7 until Easter. And we're having prayer meeting Wednesday night at 7 until Jesus comes back. If, if revival happens to break out, we'll just keep doing it. And we're changing up the format every week. Don Ingersoll is in charge of it, and he changes it up because, because Don likes to tinker with things, and he can't leave anything alone. Oh. He's just trying to keep it fresh and keep you from getting bored. And so if you didn't like last week, come back this week. You'll like this week a whole lot better. Actually, I don't have a clue what we're doing this week, but I just thought I'd say that. And um, Anyhow, we had prayer meeting last week, and one of the focuses in prayer meeting last week was on families and, and the needs of families and what families are dealing with. And, and we encourage people to, to share their requests out, out loud if they, if they wanted to, right? We, didn't, we, don't, we don't make you talk at prayer meeting, okay? So if you're worried about being put on the spot. And people just started to, to, to share some of, the, some, of the, some of the stuff. And some of it, frankly, was quite heavy and, and really intense. And I was reminded about individuals and you know their story matters and their story matters and what they're dealing with matters and and every person with 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 what's real to them is is real and it and it matters and it's about individuals their story is significant so yeah i mean we're we're a large church we've got goals we've got strategies blah 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 we have all of that but it all comes back to one person's decision to follow jesus christ as their lord and savior that's why we do it okay Verse 12, Paul says that the pastor's role, the pastor's role is to equip you, God's people, to do his work and to, and to build up. I love that, that, that uh, uh, the visual, you know, that terminology that, that we're here to, to build up the church, his church. So how do I do that? How do I equip you? I can preach, teach. Pray, counsel, lead, encourage, administer, you know, just to, just to name a few. My job is to keep you equipped and stocked and stoked and loaded and resourced and motivated, clear, passionate, aligned, and healthy in every way possible. That's, that's my job. Your role is to do his work and build up the church. Okay, that's your role. That's, that's, that's your part in all of this. So what, is it, what does that mean? What does it mean to build up the church? Well, if you know uh, 
much about Paul, even if you know nothing about Paul, and this is the first time you're, you're hearing this stuff. Let me tell you a little about Paul, the guy who wrote the book of Ephesians. Paul spent the first part of his life tearing down the church. He was on a mission to destroy uh, the work of Jesus and the, the people of Jesus and to extinguish this, this, this new following. Uh, he, he, he was on a mission to stomp it out, to, to rid the earth of, uh, of anyone who, who claimed to follow this, uh, this Jesus guy. The, the Romans called them the, the little Christ. It was kind of like a slur. Like, oh, there goes those, those little Christ. And, and then the word became Christians. And that's where the word, the word came from. And Paul was really good at persecuting the church. In fact, everyone in that, in that region of the world knew about him. Like, he was famous. And uh, if he came to your town, he was looking for Christians. He wanted to drag them to the, to the center of the city or the edge of town and stone them and kill them or do whatever he had to do. He was on a mission to, to stomp out uh, Christianity. Then Paul has this radical, radical encounter with Jesus Christ, which is his life just gets transformed, uh, you know, 100%. And he goes from persecutor of the church to planter of the church. He, Paul becomes this missionary guy who's traveling as far as he can travel, risking his life and, and just trying to, to plant churches and to build them up. Now for Paul, building up the church didn't just mean information. Of course, he wrote this, these letters and they're full of information, but it, it wasn't just about information. It wasn't just about teaching. It wasn't just about uh, being a healthy community, a, a, a healthy follower of Jesus, or even about unity. Paul was on a mission to reach as many people for Jesus as he could before he died. That was, that was the real reason why he, why he went where he went. He risked what he risked. He did what he did. It was to see as many people as he could possibly see, learn about this Jesus who died for them, who, who shed his blood for them, who sacrificed everything for them. And then God raised this Jesus from the dead. He was resurrected and people saw him with their own eyes. And Paul just took that, that message to as many people as he could possibly take it to before he died. He was near death a few times. And he, and he actually wrote in one of his letters, if I die, I die, I'll be with Jesus. That's cool. But, but if I don't die, I'm going to keep spreading the message of Jesus and I'm not going to stop until I drop. So for us this morning, here's, here's a good word for, for all of us in this, in this room right now. If you, are, if you are breathing, and I'm looking around, if you're breathing this morning, God is not done with you yet. He's not done. So... If, if you know Jesus, your mission is to help others know Jesus. Like, if you believe in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, guess what? You're one of God's missionaries. God, you're, you're part of God's great plan to share this message with the entire world. If you know Jesus, your mission is to help others know Jesus. So if you, if you truly know, now think about this, gang. If you truly know what God has done for you, what God has rescued you from, if you truly value your salvation, there should be a, a fire burning inside of you, a fire of thanksgiving in your belly that just says, Jesus did this for me. I'm willing to do anything for him. I'll go anywhere he wants me to go. I'll talk to anybody that he wants me to talk to. And the church stares at the preacher just like... 
Okay, we got some work to do. Really? You should, you should be, you should be pouring out of here like ants. You should be, you know, they, they rise to their feet and they're cheering and they're saying, thank you, Lord, for reminding me of what you saved me from. I'm so, I can't, well, I got to get out of here and go find somebody. I got to go call somebody. I got to text somebody. I got to go talk to my neighbor, my coworker, my family. I got to tell them Jesus is alive. He's real. He changed my life. That's who I was. This is what he did in my life. This, you need to know this. And they just, they just, they just poured out of here, squealing their tires to go tell the world that, that, that Jesus is alive. Some of you are thinking, that, how about after pizza? Can I get my pizza first? Think about it. What God has rescued you from. Wow. One of the things that, is, that smacked me as I was... You ever get smacked by Scripture? Am I the only one? Anybody? And it, this smacked me this week as so I was reading through. It is the, the urgency of the early church. The urgency. Now, there's some, there's some reasons. They had hundreds of eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. That will give you urgency. The guy was dead. Now he's alive. Scars and all. You, they ate with him. Okay, ghosts don't eat. Right? They were not delusional. Hundreds and hundreds of people, are can't, it can't be delusional. And so, so they, they knew these eyewitnesses just, just fanned this thing. They just whoosh! Because they, they had seen the resurrected Jesus. That's the reason for their urgency. Many of them faced persecution for their faith. And, and frankly, persecution, persecution uh, fires up the faith. And we are very soft here in Canada, are we not? We are, okay? Um, here's a couple other reasons, key reasons, I think, they, for their urgency. One, they believed the message to their core. It, it, it changed them. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, okay, I believe in Jesus. It was, I believe in the resurrected Messiah, and he's changed my life. They, they believed it to their core, okay? And that was unshakable. That's one. Two, they, they, they saw the desperate need for Jesus in, in, in their community and in others. It's like, okay, if this is what God means to me, if this is what God has done in my life, everybody needs this. Look, and they're looking around the community thinking, you need Jesus and you need Jesus and God can heal you and God can change you. God can set you free and God can rebuild this and God can, you know. And so they saw that, that need and I think those two things made a difference. So, so for us this morning, okay, for you for you this morning, okay? If you believe that Jesus is real, and if you believe that people without him, people without Christ, are eternally lost, you'll have urgency. If you believe to your core that Jesus is real, and if you believe that people without Jesus are spiritually lost for eternity, you will have urgency. Now, most of Paul's writing, in one form or another, is about building up the church. That's, that's why he wrote, was to build up the church. And even in this short text from Ephesians, we get a few clues as to what that looks like. Um, in verses 11 through 16 that we read, Paul mentions faith, maturity, good teaching, speaking the truth in love, growing more and more like Jesus all the time, 
working together, serving one another to keep the body, the church healthy, growing and full of love. In verse 16, let's let's look at that and throw that up on the screen if we could. Verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. Okay, as each part does its own special work, that helps the other parts grow. You are a part. You are a part of Moncton Westland. I like like the, the next uh, t-shirt. Actually, I think Superman here. I got the I love my church on. Don't, you don't get really nervous when the pastor unbuttons his shirt on the stage. I think the next one should be I am Moncton Westland. Right? This is, you are the church. You're the church. You, you are a, a part of, of the church. So you as a part, what are you doing to help the other parts grow? Paul said, there's a responsibility on every part, every single part. What is your part? What are you doing to help the other parts grow? Everybody can't be an appendix in the body of Christ. We can't all be appendixes. Well, what is that thing? I don't know. What's it there for? I don't know. What's it do? I don't know. You can't just sit around and nobody knows why you're there. And yeah, he said that. And part of our problem is that we see church as an event. We say things like, I go to church, or I sit in church, or I attend church. We go to church looking to get something out of it. You ever, you ever drive to church and on Sunday morning you're thinking, oh, boy, I hope it's good this morning. I mean, I had to get up. I had to brush my teeth. I had to scrape the car. This better be good. Isn't that crazy? We do those things. We do. We do those things. That's why it's funny. We go to church looking to get something out of it. Church better do something for me today. And that is flawed. That's flawed. You need to see church as a movement. I belong to a church. I am the church. My church is on a mission. I'm part of something bigger. I'm part of the church worldwide. Yes, I'm part of the remnant from the first century that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm a missionary in my community. I am the church. This is, church is not something you attend. Church is something you are. Now, I'm just going to shoot a flare here this morning. We're going we're to come back to it in, in the coming months. But just, just going just gonna to shoot this up and, and uh, give notice on, on this deal. Uh, in the coming months, when we unpack the vision and the core values of this place going forward, uh, one of the things that we're going to blowtorch is, is, is the value of serving. The value of every person serving, each part knowing its part in helping the other parts grow. We're going to blowtorch the value of serving in this place and finding, uh, helping you find your place to serve, to help build up the body. There'll be serving opportunities here in the church and in our ministries. There'll be serving opportunities in the community in ways that we love our city and on short-term missions trips. And frankly, I'd love to see us triple or quadruple the number of short-term missions trips that we send out of this place in a year. If you were watching, yeah, if you were watching the video announcements and you saw the, the fundraiser for Cuba, right? Did you all see the fundraiser for Cuba? Watch video announcements. Okay. Come to church on time would be helpful. Okay. 
Okay, the first one fundraiser was for, for Cuba. And then when the second fundraiser came around for Congo, if you rolled your eyes and thought another missions fundraiser, come on, okay? Because I'd love to see us doing those things weekly. Well, I'd love to see us pouring out to send people out on these short-term missions trips. I love to see us triple or quadruple the number of those teams that we send out in a year. So don't get tired of it. There's going to be a lot more coming, okay? All right. It's the last part of verse 16 that I want us to focus on. Paul says this, so that, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Man, there it is. I mean, that's, that's, that's good. Three points right there. I mean, that's, that's what church should be. Healthy, growing, and full of love. A church that is full of love will always be full of people. Have you noticed that you can't argue anybody to heaven? You won't argue anyone to Christ. It just, it just, won't, it just won't happen. But you can love people to Jesus. You can love them to Jesus. The whole body, from the youngest to the oldest, our children's ministry, our youth ministry. Imagine the difference it can make to a teenager who gets invited to, to, to youth group here and by another friend, and they've never been here before, and they come to Moncton Wesleyan for the very first time, and they step into the doors, and they are accepted and loved unconditionally for who they are. Right from the beginning. And they're, yeah, and they're not... They're not marginalized. There's not, nobody looking them up and down. Nobody wondering where they've been or what they're, what they're into. Nobody boxing them out by clicks or any of that kind of, kind of nonsense. Imagine the difference that would make in a young person's life. You think they're open to listening to the message of Jesus? Yes. Right? Carry that theme through with young adults to uh, uh, young marrieds, to the young families around the church, to the, to the singles in our church, to the middle-aged in our church, to the seniors in our church. Seniors should be inviting seniors. Well, I'm in the praying years, Pastor Tim. <laughs> That's important. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not downplaying that because you know I love you and you know that, that I value your prayer. But you know what? Seniors can invite seniors to church. We need an, an urgency for others to come to Jesus has nothing to do with age. Let's, let's throw this staff photo up on the screen here. We took our staff bowling this week. No, we don't go bowling every week. No, we're not a bunch of goof-offs. And we had um, just finished an exhilarating time of dreaming and planning for the future. And we finished it off. There we are. Finished it off with a little fun. Um, Liz Hoyt weighs about 50 pounds, but when she jumps up and down, she can make the pins fall. I understand that. Don Ingersoll threw a spitball, and that's all I'm going to say about that. And we were loud and raucous, and I'm surprised that they didn't throw us out. So there's the team. In the middle of a Wednesday afternoon, bowling alleys are full of seniors. Not, they're not full of... Uh, I just thought about a few words that I was going to refer to my staff as, and I thought, don't say that out loud, because someone, someone will misinterpret your sarcasm. They're not full of groups like us, that's for sure. Now, again, hear me, hear me, hear me. Now, I'm not saying anything against bowling. I'm not saying anything against seniors of bowl. I think it's great if you do that. I think it's great to stay healthy and active and to get out with friends. Here's my point that I took away from that afternoon at the bowling alley. There are, are thousands of seniors in this city who could be reached for Jesus Christ if we just put some urgency around that idea. 
Bowl them over with your love. <laughs> Groan. Okay. All right. Paul gives us uh, a perfect picture of what church should be. Healthy, growing, and full of love. My prayer for this place is that we would be healthy, growing, and full of love. My prayer for you is that you would be healthy, healthy in Christ, healthy part of the body, that you'd be growing in Jesus all the time, and that you, every, every one of us, would be full of love. We're going to respond this morning the same way that Paul was asking his churches to respond. We're going to commit to believing in Jesus. I, I don't mean believing in a historical Jesus. I don't mean believing in CNN Jesus or cultural Jesus. I mean believing to your core that this man is, is the living son of God, that he came to this earth, born of a virgin, died on a cross for your sin, rose again. I mean believing into your core that Jesus saved you, that he rescued you, that he loves you, and, and that, that, you know, recreates that urgency in your life. For some of you today, um, this, is, this is the time when, for the very first time in your life, he's going to go from historical Jesus to, to real. He's going to go to relational Jesus, and you're going to cross that line of faith. And you're going to simply say, Jesus, I believe. I believe. I don't have all the answers. Still have some questions. But, but I believe in faith this morning that you are the Son of God. And I'm inviting you to come into my life right now and to, to, to make me your child. I'm going to lead you in a prayer like that. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it silently in your heart. God will, God will hear either way. And, uh, and you can come to, to faith in Jesus Christ. For others of you this morning, you, you need the urgency back. You need the fire. You need to remember what it was like you need to remember what God saved you from, what the radical transformation that God has done in your life. You need to see your world as a mission field. You need to be concerned about where others are going to spend eternity. You need to, to be urgent about sharing Jesus Christ with others. You can't think, well, Pastor Tim will do it, or Dale will do it, or, or a billboard on the Wheeler Boulevard will do it. You need to think, I need to do it. I need to share Jesus. I need to invite someone. I need to talk to someone. I need to have those conversations because, because people matter, and I believe that Jesus Christ is their hope. He's the hope of the world, okay? So we're going to have that prayer first, and then we're going we're gonna to have uh, just one more thing here, and then the band is going to lead us in a great song. Let's bow our heads together. And if you're here this morning, and you realize that your greatest need in this moment right now is to reach out to Jesus and simply say, Jesus, I believe. Then pray this prayer with me. Jesus Christ, I believe you are God's son. I believe your, your spirit is here right now. And I want to say by faith this morning that I, I believe in you and I'm inviting you to come into my life. I'm opening every door of my life. I won't hold anything back. I'm asking you to come in to, to make me clean to power wash my soul, to forgive me of anything that has ever kept me away from you. I'm saying this morning, Jesus, that I, I'm accepting right now your offer of, of forgiveness and grace. And I'm saying that I will live for you, I will serve you, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity that I had this morning at Moncton Wesleyan Church 
to, to believe in you and to accept you as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for, for coming into my life and saving me and transforming me right now in this moment. And Lord, for others here this morning, believers, followers who have been, maybe some of them have been here for years, and, and God, I pray for anyone especially who recognizes this morning that the fire has been going out, that the urgency hasn't been there, that the passion hasn't been there, that they just haven't been looking at people as, as, as though they are spiritually lost, that they haven't been, been reaching out in love to others. God, I pray that you would help us to, to be your hands and to be your feet and to leave this church this morning as lights going out into the darkness with the good news that Jesus saves, that Jesus loves others, that Jesus wants to see people uh, come to him. God, I pray that you would help us to, to grow, but to grow as, as on one person, each individual coming to know you as their savior. God, I pray that you would help uh, our church to never get comfortable, to never relax, to never think, well, this is it, or we've reached uh, the point. God, I pray that you would help us to always have that fire of urgency here at Bunkton Westland because we believe that Jesus Christ is the answer. You're the hope and the world needs you. So I thank you, God, for, for what you're doing right now. You're stirring in hearts all over this room. You're talking to people all over this room. And uh, God, I, I thank you for the way that people are responding to you this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.